So you have an upcoming family simcha working out all the details of the simcha, of the guests, of the food, of the caterers, of the location. And you recognize that in order to have everything go smoothly, you really need to hire somebody to help, some some waitstaff to help serve and clear. But the problem is, how can you hire them to work on Shabbos? How does that work? At the shul, we have wonderful youth groups on Shabbos morning. And we hire girls uh, to help watch our precious children and to provide them a uh, positive shul experience on Shabbos morning. And they get paid for those hours. How do we do that? How does that work? Are we allowed to pay people for work on Shabbos? All this and more in this week's uh, podcast, the fourth installment of the Shabbos Learning Project for this year. 5783. So that's our topic for this week. Schar Shabbos, Shabbos earnings. This fits in with the rest of the, our uh, Shabbos Learning Project discussions this year. All of this falls under the general category of Ksiva and Mechika, of writing and erasing. We spoke about transactions on Shabbos, and this is related. Shabbos earnings, earning wages on Shabbos, is considered to be a form of transaction that is forbidden under the umbrella prohibition of Mekah Memker, of uh, doing business, um, which in turn is prohibited due to the possibility um, or the probability of of it carrying some prohibitions of writing along with it. So those are some of the reasons. There's also Mimso Heftzicha. There's also the uh, prohibition in the prophets uh, about not dealing with your usual business dealings on Shabbos. So all this uh, goes into the reasoning behind the prohibition against earning wages on Shabbos. So the halacha is one may not benefit from earnings on Shabbos. Um, and I say that very specifically. It's not not only can one not earn wages, but if one earns those ages, wages in a way which is prohibited, uh, you can't even benefit from them. Some say, and by benefit I mean you can't uh, use the money that you earned on Shabbos to go buy something. You can't pay somebody else for that uh, for a service using that money. Some even say that the money cannot be given to charity, to tzedakah. It has to literally be thrown into the sea. Others allow the money to be given to tzedakah in a case where a person earned schar Shabbos, Shabbos earnings in a prohibited way. The prohibition applies to any time somebody earns wages for services rendered on Shabbos. That prohibition is even if the service that they are providing is perfectly permissible. It's not connected to a malacha, to a prohibited act. Even if someone is acting as a waiter or a babysitter and, and not doing any malacha or handling any muksa, my kids will actually tell you that anything wrong done on Shabbos is called muksa. And get the questions from, well, all kids really. It's a common misnomer that everything is called muksa. But point is, in this case, there is no muksa, there is no malacha, there is nothing, nothing uh, non-permitted uh, uh, on Shabbos which a person is doing. They're simply hired for work, permissible work on Shabbos. That is impermissible for them to be paid for that work. Um, it's forbidden to receive Shabbos wages whether you are working for a Jew or for a Gentile. Um, a Gentile, however, may work and may be paid, although not uh, specific, preferably not on Shabbos. So the prohibition, again, is for a Jew, 
to do uh, to perform labor for which he or she is paid as they perform that labor on Shabbos. Um, and it applies not just to wages, but also to earnings. If a person has a rental home and it is rented specifically on Shabbos, one person owns a hotel, uh, runs a bed and breakfast, runs a, uh, an Airbnb, and rents it out for the, the Shabbos hours, that would also be a problem of Schar Shabbos. And it doesn't matter if the payment itself is given on Shabbos or if it's given after Shabbos. <clears throat> the, point, the point is still that a person is earning wages from services provided on Shabbos. So that's the basic rundown of the prohibition. So what about the questions we started with, the scenario of the Simcha, um, or other pressing scenarios in which it is important to have the service of somebody uh, in your employ on Shabbos? So there are quite a few heterim. Um, they're not, I'm just I'm using that word loosely. They're not really heterim. Heterim means um, uh, scenarios of permissibility, mitigating factors that could lead to permissibility. These heterim are such that there is no prohibition of Schar Shabbos to begin with. So they are exceptions to the rule, exceptions to the rule that Schar Shabbos is prohibited. Uh, so there are two main heterim when it comes to Schar Shabbos. One, the first one is called um, have, uh, earning wages behavla'a, uh, which means earning wages when they are intertwined with um, other things in a lump sum, which I'll get back to. The second one is when somebody is being hired to perform a mitzvah. That's the second category of, of heter. And we'll get to, to two others. Uh, one is when the compensation is voluntary meaning the person who's doing the paying is not doing so because he is expected to pay, but because uh, he wants to give a gift. And a fourth scenario which is per- permitted is actually the sale of an item, provided money doesn't change hands, provided a person doesn't talk about the sale. In theory, which we'll talk about later, a sale can be performed on Shabbos. Uh, we'll get to that uh, as time allows in this podcast. So again, the four basic categories of permissible scenarios. Number one is earnings that are intertwined or that are uh, earned as a lump sum together with uh, other earnings, which we'll get to soon. Number two is a scenario of a mitzvah. Number three is a gift when the wages are given as a gift. And number four is a sale as opposed to um, earnings for services rendered. So let's go through these four scenarios one by one, the first one being the most common and uh, the easiest to access. And that is when wages are earned behavla. Belia means to swallow. It means when you lump together wages that are earned for work performed on Shabbos with other, um, with other things that you're paying for, that the employer is paying for, and that's called Schar Shabbos Bahavla, and that is permitted. So if a person is paid in a lump sum for work, for services rendered on Shabbos and also on a weekday, even for a short time in a weekday, then it is perfectly permissible to receive that money for the services rendered on Shabbos and on the weekday. It's very important to note, it doesn't just mean that a person is being paid altogether. Uh, he does one job on Tuesday, he does another job on Shabbos, and then he gets paid for both of them, and there, thereby combining them. That, that's not how it works. It's 
It means that the job that the person is being hired to do includes work which is performed during the week. It might even be better, better stated as like intertwined labor, not just intertwined earnings, but a lump sum of labor. There must be a firm understanding that neither of the sides, the employer or the employee, can renege after only part of the work is done. So the agreement creates one solid task uh, out of the contracted work that is performed both on Shabbos and on the weekday. And then the payment is commensurate with both of those tasks. So that's the idea of Havla. There are two main ways in which this can be done. The simplest way, um, and the one that is most commonly known, is if, as I said before, if you're hiring a waiter to work for you on Shabbos and he also does some work during the week, so then, and he's being paid for both together, that is permissible. Another way in which it is permissible, another angle of Havla, could be when an employer or a worker has to buy supplies as part of their fee uh, for their work. So, for example, if you have a tutor, a teacher is being hired to teach somebody on Shabbos. So, in addition to the actual time spent teaching, they also have to buy supplies. Uh, there has to be a book, has to be other materials. Um, and so when a person is pay- paying that teacher, included in the teacher's um, fee is the materials that were needed to buy that he needed to buy in order to make this teaching session successful. Um, and somebody rents out a hotel room for Shabbos. So the rate for the room, the fee that he is charged, includes, you know, kind of the rental space that he is occupying, but also includes paying for the linens and sheets. Um, and that's maybe a bit distant, but very specifically, the the soaps and toiletries that are that are bought to stock the room for this person's stay those are being bought during the week. So another way of doing havla is not necessarily uh, for labor that is, specific labor that is performed both during the week and on Shabbos. But even if the labor which is performed on Shabbos requires the person to buy other things and included in their price is the the overhead um, that they have to expend in order to have the right materials for their labor, for their work, so that also is another form of havla. So it, it, the person doesn't even have to work during the week, provided they are engaged in maintaining their supplies and buying what they need, and that's also part of their cost. So that's also considered to be automatic havla as well. And some say in, in that scenario, similar scenarios, even if you are paying for work which is performed specifically on Shabbos, a person works for three hours on Shabbos and you pay, pay an hourly rate, Dafka, specifically for those hours, it is still permissible when the job entails preparatory work or additional expenses on the part of the hired worker. That is all part of the job. That's also considered to be bahavla. It's considered to be a lump sum, intertwined, and therefore it would be permissible. So these are the various scenarios that are the most common ways of hiring somebody in a way which is not prohibited. So let's give some examples. The examples we gave above at the beginning of this class, like our Shabbos groups, Skip and uh, B'nai, B'nos, B'j, all of our robust Shabbos offerings, one of the measures that we take to ensure that it is halakhically permissible to hire our Skip, our youth leaders, is uh, we, have, we ask each leader, in addition to their work on Shabbos, uh, we ask them to fill out a form after every Shabbos in which they can report on some, some basics of what they encountered uh, during their groups, 
how many kids came, if there were any issues, any supplies that are running out, um, anything else that needs to be reported to the leadership. So they do so each and every week, or most weeks, on Matzi Shabbos or after Shabbos. And that is what they're being paid for. They're being paid for the combination of labor, of both the wonderful job they do running the groups on Shabbos and on the reporting done after Shabbos. So that's one way in which we ensure that the Shah Shabbos is not an issue. So similarly, with any case, when you hire waiters to work at a simcha on Shabbos, it is important that you ensure that they also do some work before or after Shabbos, some preparatory work uh, or some cleanup work afterwards, and uh, they're being paid for both, both for the hours on Shabbos and for the time after Shabbos. The example I gave before of working on Tuesday and then also working on Shabbos doesn't have to be that way. It could even be a short time, uh, shortly before Shabbos and shortly after Shabbos, an hour before or an hour after, something like that would be enough for the Shabbos Shabbos to be permitted and for it to be considered Havla, uh, the lump sum that is permitted. Another example of this, as I'll mention shortly in the next section, Paying chazanim, paying those who lead the tefilos, paying balei over Shabbos, over Rosh Hashanah and Yantif. Um, the, this is one of the areas that is discussed explicitly in Shulchan Aruch. Um, and one of the ways in which it is permitted, a minhag, that has developed since uh, the old days in Europe, uh, in order to allow hiring a chazan for the Yom Nuraim, somebody to lead services on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, uh, one of the ways in which we ensure that it's permitted, because they're often paid, and these are services rendered on Shabbos specifically, is to ask the Chazan to come not just on Shabbos or Yantif, but also to come at other times. For example, uh, the Minuk to have the Chazan, who leads the main slich, uh, the main tefillah, to also come and lead the first night Slichos on Matzei Shabbos, the first time we say Slichos before Shoshanah in Ashkenazi Shoals. So that Minuk developed partially in order to allow for a Chazan to be paid Havla, uh, in a lump sum, including that work on a weeknight, on a Masih Shabbos, in addition to their services on the Yamim Nuraim, on the high holidays. That is the basic overview of the most common uh, permissible way in which Schar Shabbos, in which somebody can earn wages for services provided on Shabbos. The next one is scenarios of mitzvah. Uh, it comes from here. The, the Shulchan Aruch actually has a contradiction, a stira about this. In Hilchus Shabbos, in Simon Shinvav, the Shulchan Aruch says that a person is not allowed to, a community can't employ Chazadim, as we just mentioned, to lead the congregation in prayer in Tefillah on Shabbos and on Yantif. That's what comes out of the words of the Shulchan Aruch. But then you turn a bunch of pages, and a lot of pages actually, and you get to um, the Halachos of Rosh Hashanah in Simon Tov Kuf Pei in 585, and there, the Shulchan Aruch says that Chazanim who are paid for leading services on the Yamim Naraim, it says, Enam Roin Simen Bracha. They won't see a sign of blessing from their wages. It is a halachic and spiritual reality that will prevent them from seeing specific benefit from this wage. So it sounds like it's permissible. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't say you can't do it. The Shulchan Aruch says that it seems to say you can do it, it's just that the recipient won't receive benefit from this reward. So there's much, much discussion here. I mean, it seems to be a blatant contradiction. The Shulchan Aruch in Hilchah Shabbos says that a Chazanim should not be employed. The Shulchan Aruch later on says Chazanim can be employed, but with a caveat, they should recognize that they're not going to get rich from that employment. 
There is much discussion here in the sources in the postgame, some interesting case studies and background material, including the main source in the Gemara that talks about uh, paying people uh, who would watch the Paraduma, the red heifer, over Shabbos to ensure it doesn't become invalidated. That's one of the main sources that drives our understanding of this scenario. Uh, you know, some point out that that particular case of watching, of safeguarding, is actually just a mitzvah preparation. It's not engaging in an actual mitzvah. But the bottom line regarding this question of if one is allowed to take Schar Shabbos before performing a mitzvah is that the general custom, as stated in the Archa Shochah, Mishaburah, and others, Shochan uh, Archa is to be lenient. Um, blessing may not be forthcoming from those, uh, from those earnings, but it is generally perceived as being permissible. But many poskim like to introduce other mitigating factors, like the lump sum earnings factor that we mentioned above. And in a great many cases, the scenario is such that those factors are present anyway. So let's give some examples. I mentioned before the concept of chazanim leading to philos, the concept of a bal tokea, a chauffeur blower who blows a chauffeur for the mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah, that's a scenario in which the chauffeur blower is being hired to perform a mitzvah specifically. So according to the generally accepted Ashkenazi custom, it's permissible to hire him specifically to blow chauffeur without any other reasons, um, although um, he uh, also has the other mitigating factors. Uh, we are paying the Baltokea both for his blowing of the chauffeur and for his expertise, which are developed through his practicing during the week. So he's being paid for that as well. Another example is this, if somebody needs to use a mikvah on Shabbos, so in a, in a case where attending a mikvah would be a mitzvah, the, uh, the Chassam Sofer wrote about this a few hundred years ago, and he suggested as well, this is another scenario where the mikvah is being paid, is earning uh, profit from the person paying for using a mikvah on Shabbos, specifically on Shabbos. So uh, that's another scenario in which the mitzvah factor could come into play. Now, the question is, how far does this extend? Uh, let's say you, need to, you would like to attend Sheva Brachos of uh, close friends or relatives, and, um, and it's on Friday night, and although usually small children are alert and chipper and perfectly well-behaved at long, drawn-out uh, family um, events on Friday night, in your case, you're you're not entirely confident that's going to be the case, so you'd prefer to put your kids to sleep earlier and hire a babysitter to to babysit while you attend this simcha. So does that is that considered to be a situation of schar Shabbos for the purposes of a mitzvah? I mean, going to Shabbos brachos would be under the category of simchas chasan v'kala of uh, of increasing the joy of a bride and groom, and that's a mitzvah. Um, is that closely enough related? Uh, is that necessary enough to warrant a heter, a leniency of Schar Shabbos? So I've seen different opinions about that amongst the poskim. What about to go on a Shabbos walk, enjoying Shabbos with a spouse or somebody else? You want to hire a babysitter to help out? Um, I would doubt that that's considered to be a case of mitzvah. Some say visiting a doctor and having the doctor come um, and attend to somebody who's not well on Shabbos would also be a scenario of mitzvah. So these are several examples of this second heter that we are presenting, which is the heter of Shabbos wages earned in the course of performing a mitzvah on Shabbos or on Yontif. Those are the main ones. Let me just mention a couple more as I, as I uh, prefaced at the beginning of this class. So um, another one is a, is, is a scenario of gift, of a voluntary compensation. Um, somebody performs some, does a service, you have a babysitter who comes on a Friday night and she's not expecting to be paid. 
um, but you decide to pay her anyway. You decide to offer her a gift. That is perfectly acceptable. Um, you can't pay her for her babysitting service. She can't expect to be paid for it, but you can pay her. You can give her a gift, and she can accept it, even though it is clear that it is for her services that she rendered. But since she can't um, demand the payment and she wouldn't ask you for it, it's just a gift, that would be fine as well. And the final um, clarification that I wanted to offer for this class this week is the difference between uh, wages that are earned for services rendered and a profit that is earned uh, after selling something. Schar Shabbos is about being paid for the time spent uh, working on Shabbos. It's not about earnings that happen to be earned on Shabbos. So um, the most contemporary example of this would be somebody having a, a website um, or an eBay account which is operating on Shabbos. Sales are processed all the time, 24-7, uh, not restricted to time or place, and that includes sales that are processed on Shabbos itself. So there are many other factors that go into the the question of if it's proper to have a website uh, open on Shabbos in which you can sell things. But at least for the Schar Shabbos part of it, the postgame uh, explained that this is perfectly fine. Um, and the reason is, as mentioned, because what's being done, what's being, the service is being performed on the website is that somebody is just buying, it's buying and selling. Buying, earning money from something which is bought and sold uh, is not considered to be Schar Shabbos. The reasons and the applications are lengthier than we have time for in this class, but I just wanted to make mention of that. And there are some who extend this delineation um, further to another scenario, which is a very common and very astute question that people ask, uh, which is when they're, um, if somebody has a savings account, and they are being paid interest, which is something that used to happen in the olden days. <laughs> but uh, there are some accounts you can still you can still get a little bit of interest on. Um, so if you're earning interest, compounded interest on a savings account or on any sort of investment, so that is that is money that is being accrued on Shabbos. So how is it that you're able to accept that money? So in one very oft-quoted tshuva, Ramosha Feinstein analyzes this, and he says that if you... Uh, think about when the money is earned vis-a-vis -vis when Shabbos is, it's really not a problem at all. Because the way the, um, the, way the financial world works is they go by the secular calendar day. Um, that's, that's when that's considered to be a day of earning, is a secular calendar day. It doesn't run with the hours of Shabbos starting at nightfall and ending the following day at nightfall. So if your money is being earned on Saturday, Saturday includes many hours after Shabbos is over. If it's, if it's being earned on Friday night, that also includes many hours prior on Friday day, which, um, which is not a problem. So Rav Moshe Feinstein reasons that every scenario in which you're being paid by a bank or an institution and it goes by the regular calendar days, it's never going to be a problem with Shabbos because it's automatically behavlot, it's automatically included, intertwined, it's a lump sum together with earnings that are earned um, during the week. Now, there are other scenarios that don't work out as smoothly, like two days of Yantif, or three days, what we call three-day Yantif, which includes Shabbos. Um, and that, given the late hour and the length of this recording, we'll have to wait for a private conversation or some later date. I'm happy to field questions and talk about this further. But I hope you have enjoyed our class this week and that you got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of preparing it. And now it is time to prepare for the ultimate challenge, which is the Shabbos Learning Project quiz that I'm going to sit down and try to write now. Wish me luck and Hatzlacha. Have a wonderful Shabbos. 
and uh, thank you for listening.